This is loudspeaker. Please don't go. I need you so. I. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Feminist Hot Dog, the podcast about finding joy through feminism and living your best feminist life. I'm your host, Adrienne Vandervalk, and this episode is kind of a weird one. Um, it will air tomorrow, which is November 4th, which means if you're paying attention to the days this year that today is election day. And it is a real trip to imagine that you, person from the future, already knows what happened. What I'm imagining happened is that we probably don't have an official winner yet, but at least the election day itself will be over and we'll be one step closer to whatever is going to happen happening. All that to say, in large part because of the election, I am leaning a lot on meditation, rituals, and other spiritual and self-care practices, and I thought that other people might be feeling the same way. So to help with that, I am rolling out a couple of episodes with women whose spiritual work I follow closely and who have helped me stay as grounded as possible during this extremely stressful time. In two weeks, I'll be featuring Dr. Kate Thomas, the Women's Spiritual Empowerment Mentor. So get excited about that. She's fabulous. And the conversation I'm featuring today is with one of my favorite Instagram friends, Jocelyn Harvey, creator of Soul and Mindset. I first connected with Jocelyn via her work in the recovery space, and I was really attracted to her account because it focused on speaking and writing to women, and also because she emphasizes self-trust and self-love, which have become more and more important to my own feminism in the last few years. Now Jocelyn has launched a new project, Soul and Mindset, which is another one of my favorite profiles to follow. It's a mix of self-care, spiritual practices, thrifty fashion, life hacks, all modeled literally and figuratively by Jocelyn, who is just a very authentic and warm and engaging person, and she's also very funny. What she's not about is the sort of toxic love and light stuff that might have you rolling your eyes on other spirituality and lifestyle pages. But rather than listen to me talk about soul and mindset and what it is or isn't, I'm going to get out of the way and let you hear our conversation about how nurturing our souls and our minds can help us survive these trying times. Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining me today uh, for your second time on Feminist Hot Dog. It's great to have you back. I'm so glad to be back. And I don't think last time we used Zoom. That's no. more of a, a new thing. So it's nice to be able to see faces when I'm getting interviewed or yes. doing the interviewing. You'll have yes. to come on mine soon. <laughs> oh, I would love it. When we first connected, it was when you were still active on the Sharing My Sobriety platform. And when I look back on that episode, I feel like I could see the seeds of soul and mindset were already there in what you were sharing on that platform. So let's talk about what made you decide to shift gears and focus deliberately on spiritual and mindset practices. To be honest and simple, I got burned out just talking about recovery. It was, um, and it's still, I'm in the recovery realm. I've partnered with a few people a few different times and it comes up from time to time on my podcast, but 
what was happening for me, and I say this me specifically, not that it happens to everyone out there who does recovery work, was I felt like I had to stay in the ick and the struggle all the time so I could talk about the struggle and then on the other side, talk about how I went through it especially because I was very specifically sharing like my sobriety, whereas some people share more resources and they don't just talk about themselves. So I was just really tired of that. And my recovery was starting to go through this transition. It was just a very busy, awesome year, but I realized that I needed to step away from that and clear my mind a bit. So soul and mindsets, spiritual and mindset practices, but there's, there's more too. I mean, I love actually that one of the things I really appreciate about your account is sometimes you'll talk about fashion or, you know, your wardrobe or your space and, and all of those things are connected for you in a way that I follow a number of wellness and spirituality and, and mindset accounts, and they don't necessarily always connect to the physical, tangible realities of life in the way that you do and in a way that I really appreciate. Can you talk about why that's important to you? Yeah. So on stories, I love, I do love sharing about my clothes, keeping it lighthearted. I did a whole thing on how to take care of your cashmere because I have so much thrifted cashmere. (laughs) But I do that first off just because it's part of me. It's fun. And in stories, things only last for an hour. So It doesn't necessarily clog up the feed, but in terms of wanting to talk about things that go on in this space, I I don't know if you've heard people talk about like the 3D and the 5D, and I don't not believe in the 5D, but I'm not a spiritual person that talks about the 5D. Just what's going on in my life and to also share how I move through the world, share that it's not just me journaling for hours a day and meditating all the time, that I do care about clothes and I like going out on walks and being silly just letting people see all of me and something I've been working on it's a it's one of my not favorite shadow aspects that comes up from time to time and it's this idea of being manipulative and sometimes I get nervous sharing these things because I'm like oh am I just trying to get people to like me so they'll buy for me and work for me and no it's not that I'm sharing from a fake place. It's just, this is who I am. And I know that I am very interested in the people whose work I follow, whether I'm following it freely or if I do purchase from them, that connection really matters. And it also matters from a place of authenticity. And I really like that a few years ago, the phrase authenticity was so corny to use, but I think it's really true now is you can fake stuff on the grid. (laughs) And when you're talking about your very specific buckets, But you can't, in stories, you can't on a podcast, people just pick up on that. So it's just a way to keep myself real Mm. and to let people know that I'm real as well. I'm not this like manufactured person on the other side of their screen. Yes, I feel that from you. I remember you posted something on stories a while ago that was like, I'm really grumpy today and I'm still grumpy, but here are the things that I did to manage my grumpiness and not let it take over. And I was like, yes, that is exactly the content that I need right now. Because I do, I find myself sort of swiping by the the constant love and light stuff. It doesn't feel real if that's all that people are posting. So it doesn't. I think there are some things the spirituality and mindset realm does better than the recovery and vice versa. But I think what I have taken over from recovery is that people do talk about 
the crap that is going on. I didn't love how much I was talking about it, but it's, it just makes sense and it's easier because that's what I did for years was just sharing really hard stuff about myself, sharing about when I used to be suicidal. So it's not that hard for me to say, oh, I'm being grumpy, but I think it's hard for a lot of people in spirituality and mindset worlds to share. Right. Because it, it almost feels like like a failure, like, oh, all the stuff that I do to take care of myself didn't work because I allowed grumpiness in. And it's like, I don't think that's the point is to be never endingly happy. Tell us about what folks will find if they visit your corner of the internet world. Oh, it's always evolving. I'm going through an involvement right now, evolvement right now. But I would say you're going to find a lot of compassion and kindness and occasionally firm love. I don't like saying tough love, but I try to bring up challenging stuff, but I don't like being a teacher that's like, I'm going to say something to trigger you and get under your skin and like make you feel kind of bad about yourself and call you out on your bullshit and you're going to change that way. So there's a lot of compassion in this work. And I had to learn that in sobriety as well is you can get from point A to point B in your growth journey, being pretty mean to yourself, you'll get there, or you can be kind and compassionate to yourself and understand that that's not you letting yourself off the hook. It's just not being mean to yourself. And I speak mostly to women and we have a lot of experience being pretty mean to ourselves. And I speak also to women who aren't white. I mean, the majority of people who follow me are white, but I do have women of color and we also have a lot that's thrown on us as well. So just bringing in that kindness is really important. So that's like the first thing, the overall vibe I'm making sure I bring in is that compassion and kindness, the awareness. And I throw a lot of tools at people, but it's the idea that you can not be using all the tools all the time, but to lean into the moment and think, what do I need right now? One of a post I had, I should reenact this post. It was a good one. It was um, talking about like the analogy of uh, kitchen knives. And, you know, you could use a butter knife to try to cut a tomato, but it's not really going to be that effective. Yeah, <laughs> so that's pretty much the point. You have all these tools and you can use them, but sometimes you need to think for a second like, oh, do I really need gratitude in this moment or do I need something else? And as far as the soul and mindset suite of tools, you have a podcast and a couple freebies on your website and you and you post blog posts pretty regularly. And then you also have a course called Befriending Anger. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. When I talked to you last time, had I even brought that up? Was I teasing it? I had I think you were teasing it a little bit. <laughs> yes. So befriending anger, my first course, my baby. I wanted to get something out there that was so different and something that happened in the later part of my recovery right before I closed down that account or at least stopped posting and then I closed it down a few months after was I realized I was angry about a lot of things and thankfully because I had a really great therapist and a really great sponsor at that time with a more nuanced understanding of human emotions was that it's okay to be angry and what I started noticing, because I can be very analytical too, was I noticed how long my anger tended to last for and what I would go through when I was angry and realizing that 
because I was angry, it didn't make me this bad person, especially if I was angry for more than five minutes. So I wanted to bring that out to people because I think a lot of us are angry. We just don't want to say it because we're told it's unspiritual, it's unladylike, it's not recovered enough. And it always fascinated me that anger, which is a powerful emotion, but it's a fairly common one, was put down so much compared to other emotions. So in the course, I touch on a lot of things. I touch on at least my views societally and also within like recovery and spirituality and our family units of why it's hard for us to experience anger. And then I talk about how to notice how it comes up in your body. And that's really big. That's another thing you find on my site too, is I talk a lot about how it feels to be in your body so much of the work is like really in the head, but if your body is like not regulated or if you're not aware of what's going on in your body, it's just harder to move through that work. I touch on how you can, and not touch on, I really dive into how you can learn to sit with your anger and how powerful that is because you start to hear what your anger has to say to you. And then also how you can use your anger out in the world. So we loop back to society and how to use your anger in the world that works for you. And that's a really big one. And I I developed the course like that. And I didn't tell that to anyone, but someone wrote back saying it felt like I had like freedom and it wasn't like I had to come up with one specific answer where I was like guessing what they wanted to hear. So in like how you use anger in the world, it's understanding that at least on a political front, like not everyone is a protester. I am not a protester. So don't feel like you have to go out and do that. Or even, you know, within your your smaller world that you have to be verbal if you're not. Maybe you're someone who writes. Maybe you just like put off that really strong energy. So it's getting an awareness of how anger works with you. And I have found with myself when I can just admit that I'm angry, it just processes through so much faster and healthier than when I'm saying I'm not angry, I'm not angry. And it just drags on and I blow up. So that was how Befriending Anger started. It was a big first course to do, but I, just, I wanted to put out something that I know I hadn't seen anywhere else. Not saying it's not out there, but it's certainly not in the forefront of there being 10 different anger courses you can choose from like there are with Shadow or Divine Feminine Work. Right, right. Well, and I think that too, just the what you just said, acknowledging that there is a lot of justifiable righteous anger right now, right? And so if you feel that way, and then you're getting messages that that's not okay, or that's not helpful, or that means that there's something wrong with you. I mean, I just think that leaves you with nowhere to go. And when, in fact, you can put it to to use potentially, if you are willing to, to sort of engage with it and look at it. So I love that. I have felt a lot of anger in 2020. And I'm curious to know what practices you have found yourself relying on over the last going on seven months now? Mm, So there's been a few different things. A lot of it is letting it work its way through, which has been a practice. So let's start with June, George Floyd. That's Mm. an obvious place to start. And actually what hit me first was depression. I haven't been depressed in many years. And I just noticed it was really hard for me to get out of bed. I was so exhausted. I felt sick. I didn't want to leave my home. I was like, oh, right. I remember this. This is like low-level, low-grade depression. But after that cleared, the anger really, it really hit in. And 
I had to sit with a lot of it. I had some anger going on with my family that was really bordering on rage. And I really just sat with it. I shouldn't even say just, I sat with it because it was not easy to sit on the couch and have all of these stories come back up and this heightened energy flowing through me. But I also knew that it needed to happen and it lasted for about six weeks. And then after that, an opportunity was presented where I could finally talk to them about why I was so angry at them. And I came from a very emotional place, but at least a solid understanding of what was going on inside of me. Whereas if I wasn't comfortable with all that anger, I would have had a conversation earlier than I needed to, which wouldn't have been helpful. So that's one thing I've been doing. And another one on the other end is also catching myself when I'm increasing the anger more than I need to. So I like to stay involved with the news. I like to know what's going on. And I'm probably not the most, but it's not like I'm one of those, oh, I never read a newspaper, touch an article because, you know, what was my high vibes? But I also know, and this happened to me last night, I don't need to go on the Explorer page of Instagram and scroll through that and go down the rabbit hole and end up on BuzzFeed and all these things and comment sections. So there's also that awareness of, yeah, I can know what's going on in the news, but do I need to really dig at that scab? Yeah, I hear you. I feel like I'm getting lots of advice from, you know, some from social media and some from personal friends about how to handle the pandemic, how to handle the countdown to the election. The polarization in our country is so acute right now. There's so many heightened conversations about responses to the movement for racial justice and protests of police violence. I mean, there's the number of channels through which people are in conflict with one another just is is definitely very high right now. And so some people are saying things like, don't make any big changes, just stick to your routine, put one foot in front of the other and, and sort of lay low. And the other hand, I think, well, maybe this is actually a good time to try something new because these these times are not all of this is unprecedented, but the combination and within my lifetime feels unprecedented. So maybe I need something new to sort of handle what this year has thrown at me. And I'm just curious to know from your perspective as someone who's working in this space and talking to a lot of people about their needs right now, what your thoughts are. I have a few thoughts. The first one for anyone is go outside your comfort zone with how you want to either speak out, write out the conversations, but also know that you don't need to leap outside your comfort zone like a mile. (laughs) You know, doing this work, it's not going to all clear itself up by 2021. So you can still move forward while also being gentle. The next thing, and I guess this is one of those bolder statements that I will make, is for Black women, Indigenous women, people who have gone through this stuff for a long time, you can also rest easy too. I'll be blunt, and I'm sure the listeners of your audience are a little more aware and have been doing this work for a while, but white women, yeah, you got to step up. It's uncomfortable, and yes, you don't need to, like I said, push through your comfort zone at this crazy bit, but also your discomfort like doesn't trump other people's discomfort of people who are really having their rights. Like, Also take the same energy that you would probably use for abortion rights and <laughs> women's reproductive rights and apply it to that. So I I do. I think some people need to step up 
within a way that's sustainable. I guess that's what I would say to mm-hmm. make it sustainable for you. And then also like black women, just like take it easy. <laughs> this is really hard. These conversations have been going on for a really long time. And yeah, there's certain conversations I just don't have with, with people because it's like there's a lot of information out there. I would say too, I hate the phrase listen and learn with a burning passion, but listen and learn <laughs> in a very humble, quiet way. Don't be afraid to be a lurker. Don't feel like you need to say things. And I am going to come from like how I have been doing this in my own work is getting a better understanding of the trans community. I would never call myself an ally because I like don't speak up about it, but I am in the case of supporting them and Mm -hmm. loving them and not wanting to take away rights. But I also know that it is an area that I am woefully uneducated in and I can go onto someone's page and just watch and get a feel and read the comments and not feel like I need to insert myself. Like I understand that they are at a much different level and I'm like coming in at kindergarten. So I don't need to put in like my kindergarten opinion on it. And same with watching like beautiful indigenous pages and and noticing that even though these pages are public, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a page that I need to be front and center in. Mm, And I think we can all take that too. And I know people want to help out. But if you really don't have the basic understanding of even what privilege is and bias is, it's okay to take some time and learn that so you're not causing more damage and work for someone else. Thank you for saying all of that, because I think that is something I've noticed just being on Instagram, I think in particular, and, and Twitter to some extent too, is this desire to like, oh, well, I care about this issue now, so therefore I'm going to insert myself into the conversation wherever it's happening, regardless of whether I'm really adding anything or or potentially even taking away from the conversation that's happening there. So try new things, but also be aware of the environment in which you're operating and re- read the room. <laughs> I was just about to say that <laughs> with an expletive added into it, but yeah, just read the room. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your approach to spirituality. I love some of the practices that you suggest. And I'm wondering if is there a specific spiritual tradition that you were raised in or bring to this work? Or has this been something that has been practices that you've collected or found useful over your own the course of your own life? Tell me a little bit about how your spirituality is grounded. I would say it's things that I've learned over my life. I was raised Episcopalian. So I always say the only group, Christian group, more liberal would be the Unitarian Universalist. So I had a very light, not hate-filled upbringing, which I know isn't necessarily the case for everyone. So some aspects of the work, it was a little easier to come at. But I would say I, I lean into what feels good, what makes sense. I like to try a lot of things. Lately, I've been trying to do more mystical work, like the Akashic Records, which took me years to be like, I I was very skeptical. And now it's a work I do and leaning into more channeling, which has been really cool. But then there's the practices of just the everyday life. And I know it's so cheesy to be like, oh, your life is spiritual, but it really is. I think there is a light spirituality to be able to 
relax on the couch and just be. Getting into nature has been one as well. And that's always a hard one for me to say because it is one that's wrapped up in location and it is one that's wrapped up in privilege as well. And I don't think that when I'm in nature, I'm more spiritual than when I'm in the city. It just feels different. So I will preface it with that because sometimes it could come across as like, if you're not in nature with your like feet in the dirt, then you know no spirituality or connection to the world. (laughs) And tapping in with my body is hugely important as well because we're still in these physical forms and we got to take care of them. And coming from, especially last year when we talked and I can't even remember when I brought it up, I was going through a lot of chronic pain, Mm -hmm. which really makes you want to get out of your body. It's the last place you want to be. So really enjoying how it feels to be back in my body and not fearful about it. That has been a spiritual experience. But if there was any practice, I would say that's kind of one of my most spiritual is actually my walks. Mm. which pretty much everyone everyone can do, I would say, or at least getting outside, wheeling around if that's the case. But just living, finding ways to integrate it into my entire life so that it's not just meditation or it's not just journaling because when those things go away because you're traveling or you just fall off it, it feels really precarious. So having a lot of different tools has always made sense to me. And at first it overwhelmed me because I tried to do them all at once. And I just remembered being like, okay, what does my body need right now? What does my mood need? What is my like hormonal cycle asking me for? So just always playing around and bringing some fun to it. I've started to use the phrase excited reverence. So knowing that it's important work, but not putting it on this weird pedestal. And when I actually stopped putting meditation on a pedestal, I had way more fun with it than when I was like, this has got to be like so serious and like sitting down. Like I honor when I channel, but it doesn't have to be this big to do. Well, and that actually leads perfectly into my next question, which is if someone is new to mindset work or spiritual work, but they want to try something or feel like they need that in their life, what is the first little baby step that you would recommend that someone take so that they don't get overwhelmed because there's so much out there. I think it can feel a little daunting. So three things that come to mind, and I wish I had done this at the beginning, but I did what I did, is take away the parameters. So instead of saying, I need to meditate every day, or I need to meditate for 15 minutes when I sit down, just sit down and see where you get. It might be 30 seconds. It might be a few minutes. It might go longer. But when I put those rules around it. It just wasn't enjoyable. But when I took those away, my practice really exploded. So that is something that I would suggest. Another thing is when you're starting, you are likely going to purchase a lot of courses, which is fine. It happens to all of us. It happens to me from time to time. And people can get really scared because they purchase them and then they don't start doing them right away and they feel behind and they start to shame spiral. And I would say probably 99% of the courses out there, you have lifetime access to them. So it is completely okay if you purchase it and then maybe you don't get to it for three months. I had someone that purchased one of my course and I can like see how people move through it. And I really try not to because it's just not my business. I don't know what's going on in their life or in them. And someone actually reached out and said, oh, I was able to get around to doing this. And it's like, whatever, get around to doing it when you do it. We are hopefully going to have long lives like you're not going to fix everything in the next like six weeks or six modules so that's another thing i would say to make the spiritual work easier and the last thing is do what 
feels good. And what feels good, it still might like scare you a little, but if you're just really not drawn to it, you're going to drag yourself to the work. Mm. I do this all the time with Divine Feminine every few months. I'm like, oh, I really need to be leading into that. And I, I just, just not something that I want to do. So find the thing that you want to do and you'll actually stick with it. And who knows, maybe in a few years, the thing you are scared of doing is your favorite practice, but you got to still make it easy on yourself because it's hard work. So you don't need to spend your time slogging through spiritual practices and activities that don't really make sense for you at your current state of life. Right. Again, not sustainable. Yes. I wanted to ask you another question about recovery, if that's okay. I bring this up because the episode that I just released today is actually about racism within recovery spaces. And then I noticed that you recently had facilitated what looked like a really powerful panel discussion on healing the effects of racism on Black women in, in recovery. This is just something that I've been hearing more about. And, you know, obviously I'm white, so this is not something that I've necessarily personally experienced, but I'm bearing witness to what other people are sharing with me. And I think it's important to talk about. So I wanted to invite you to share anything from that facilitation experience that had stuck with you or anything from your own experience that you wanted to share about being a Black woman in recovery. Mm, Being a Black woman in recovery, it's different and it can be hard. And I'll say it's different because we have that other layer of discrimination and bias and microaggression that I could say that like women would have, but all women, but then take it to another level. And if you don't have someone that you're working with, whether it's a recovery coach or a sponsor, or even a program that gets it, that's when it can start being hard because you feel dismissed and then you have to spend time explaining to people what's going on. So after George Floyd's murder, I really changed how I did recovery. There were certain spaces where I said, you know, this served me at some point, but I just can't be in that sort of recovery space anymore. And I had had that feeling for a while of, you know, it's helped in some ways and in other ways it's really aimed at men, which I would say a lot of recovery Mm. is. And when you're not a straight man who's moderately affluent, you kind of have to add all these accessories on to make it work and these reframes. And I said, okay, like I'm at a place where I've done this for a few years and I'm scared and I can start looking at new avenues. So it's hard. Um, unless you're meeting with other Black women, which there are starting to be more spaces that pop up, which is awesome. I know there's quite a few Black AA meetings. There's uh, a group within She Recovers. It's starting to become more prevalent. So know that if you're working in a group of recovery that is not predominantly Black, there's going to be some things probably that rub against your experience, but there's going to be some groups where they like really rub up against and you're just going to spend your whole time like sitting and spinning in them. And there's others where it's not going to be as as hard to get through. So you can find those groups is, is what I'm saying. Um, mm. it's, it's okay for you to recover in a place that feels good for you. It's hard. I, you know, and I think what's was good about facilitating it is you have people coming in and first off, they're saying this is the 
most black women I've seen in recovery, you know, you have people with 20 years and they're like, the most I've ever seen is three other people, which is just mind boggling to me. But then you hear the story, some are better than others, but you're just like, okay, I'm not crazy for thinking these things or, or going up against it. It's really hard. And there are some groups that are starting to open their eyes and make changes and look in themselves and some groups that are very stuck in the past and some groups that are very unsafe or at least communities I would say that they're unsafe. I know when this happened I didn't talk to a lot of people about it because I felt like I look at your I look at your Instagram page I look at the comments your community is not ready in any way shape or form to have someone who is black come on and speak their truth and that's unsafe to the person who is coming on. They don't need to take that on especially if they're not in a role where they're where they have like anti-racism skills and that's what they do but that's what i would say to people getting into recovery who are not in the dominant narrative at least like dominant outside of white is it's going to take a little while i think or it might take a little more effort to find a place but you really don't have to sit in places that don't feel good for you and The last part on that is I have such a a love-hate, wishy-washy relationship with manifestation. I think it's cool. I think it can also be layered with with weird privilege. But I have noticed in life whenever I have either said to myself or spoken to people, wow, I really need a change in my recovery. I need an addition or I need something removed. In either a few weeks or a few months, like something pops in that I'm not suspecting. Like I, like I find the article online that I couldn't find before or I find the group or an opportunity comes up or I meet a person. So if you're really feeling like, I don't know what to do, I'm just saying like, try it out, put it up, put it out there. I in no way endorse the idea that we attract bad things into our life, but I've just noticed it enough in recovery that I feel like I'll throw that tool out as well. So what is next for soul and mindset? What are your dreams and visions for the the coming year? Ooh, a lot. So I'm really starting to double down on my blog, get back into writing. I wrote a book last year, so I was a little burnt out on writing, understandably, but I'm beginning to get back into it more and liking it. So really using my blog as just a hub for information, so much easier to write long form obviously in a blog and get your personality across than on Instagram. So Instagram's good for some things. It's not so great for others. So that's going to be big. Befriending anger is a course that still is up. I'm doing all my courses as evergreen. So I'm not doing an open closed cart. And the next thing that will likely come out because I was polling people is I will probably be doing a shadow workshop. There's so many shadow workshops, but I really want to bring that compassionate lens and framework to shadow and also talk about the good shadow aspects to be very like good bad but the aspects of our shadow that are really great that can come forward so that will probably be the next one to be determined because part of what I'm doing for this election is I just know that the week of no matter what way it goes I'm going to be in some kind of sorts and then the week after spending some time decompressing So it's hard to say if it's going to be in November, but I would at least like to get it done and ready and out before the new year. And I'm also starting to take interviewees on my podcast now that I've had quite a few and I've 
know the groove, you're definitely going to have to come on as well. Yay. So that's what's happening is like this balance of wanting to thoughtfully move ahead, not feel like I need to race through it. And I have the honor and privilege of having a full-time paid secure job. So it's definitely affording me that flexibility. That's really nice. And not everyone has that. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Well, I'm really excited to see what comes next. And is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? So Something that's been coming up for me, so I know it must be coming up for other people, is as you're doing any sort of conscious or unconscious spirituality work, is bring some curiosity to it. I didn't used to have curiosity when I did this work. I I had more of like a hammer. I was very much of that, like, uh, when you are a hammer, everything is a nail type. Mm. I still can be. But just being curious and aware of your energy and where it's at. And leaving space for all the changes that you go through in life, we're going to be going through a big freaking change. And I think in a sense, we're prepared for that. But just the little things that go on in life and how they can affect you for better and sometimes for worse and being aware of them, accepting them and honoring them because when we don't want to settle into those, it's, it's quite scary and we can stay stuck for longer than we need to. And that's like just a very basic intro into energy work is how your own energy is doing. And there's a lot to play with this year. So you'll have a lot of opportunities for it, but it's a lot of big stuff going on and uh, we can do it. We can do it. Y'all out there listening, you already know what I don't, which is what happened on election day. So I just want you to know that whatever it was, even if things feel bad or unresolved right now, we can find our way forward. We can work together. We can heal ourselves. And that is the first step toward healing our world. And even if Biden wins by a landslide, we can still heal ourselves and continue fighting for all the things that we've been fighting for under Trump because none of this started with Trump. Not the climate change disasters, not the racialized state violence enacted by police, not the polarization that would have made it really hard to coordinate a robust response to COVID anyway, even if the administration in power had cared to do so. None of this is new, and it's not going away. And we seriously need to take care of our minds and our souls if we are going to continue to do this work and make a difference. Thank you so much to Jocelyn for sharing your time and talents and wisdom with us today. Be sure to check out Soul and Mindset on Instagram. And if you're interested in enrolling in the Befriending Anger course, use the code 25ONME at checkout to get $25 off. And be sure to tune in in two weeks for the second in this spirituality mini series when I speak with Dr. Kate Thomas, psychic, witch, and women's empowerment mentor. You do not want to miss it. She is fantastic. If you don't already follow the show on social media, go find us there. And if you'd like to support Feminist Hot Dog, you can also find me on Patreon. And even a few dollars a month makes a huge difference. So thank you for considering joining the pack. Our theme music is by Ava Luna and Loyalty Freak Music. Thank you for listening. And no matter who is president, love yourself and love your buns. Goodbye.
This is Loudspeaker.